Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello everyone again, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor with the MLS Multiplex Podcast catching you up on the wild, wild world of Major League Soccer as it happens. So thanks again for tuning in as we talk about this crazy week. Um, It has been a crazy week. It's been seven days since we've talked last, since we both got this episode up and out there last week. School has started, at least for me, which I am sure I will talk more about that soon. Connor, I don't know if school has started for you yet, but if it has, how is it going? If it has not, how are you enjoying the last couple last couple days of freedom that you have left it hasn't started yet sorry i'm trying to recover from the changed up intro uh not the what's up guys every week that completely threw me for a loop um but i don't start yet as of tomorrow it'll be exactly two weeks uh will be when i start so i start september 8th um so not quite there yet but still keeping busy still doing stuff uh still barely living life uh, <laughs> grinding as tro- Canada and more specifically Ontario probably is into the fourth wave of COVID. So that's exciting uh, and something I get to look forward to. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. That's an issue for two weeks from now. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Josh, how's your week been? It's been um, pretty, pretty wild. Uh, it has also dawned on me that it's been a very long week when I think back to like everything that's happened in the last seven days. Like I just, I can't even believe I got like some things. I'm just like, that was on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Felt like it was uh, a month ago, but so yeah, it's been a, a very, very wild, very busy week. I won't bore anybody with the details, but I did wake up to a surprise this morning in my room. Oh, okay. care to venture a guest about what I found in the corner of my room at five thirty in the morning. A dead chipmunk. You are wrong, but it was an animal. Connor, you got a guess? Was it living or dead? It was living. Living. I'm going to say mouse. No, although these are two good guesses. It was a frog. What? I found a frog in the corner of my room. I was thrown for a loop. Um, I, I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was uh, laying out my clothes for what I was going to wear for work. And I just look over and I see this like spot in the corner. And I was like, that's not normally there. I was like, what is that? And I get a little closer and the frog was like, it had its arms and legs like in its body. So it, like didn't really look like a frog, but I, I shined my light on it. And sure enough, it was, <laughs> it was a freaking frog. So uh, I named him Todd. And uh, on my way out of the, 
out of my room this morning on my way out the door to head to work. I, I scooped him up into a cup and I uh, just released him into the driveway. So wherever Todd is, I hope he's doing well. I'm sure he was pretty freaked out when my lights came on this morning. Are you sure it was a and frog he, and not a toad? Uh, you know what? What What's the difference? Frogs, webbed feet, toads live on land. I'm going to go frog, although he was brown. I do have some pictures of him, so let me consult those real quick. I, I'm pretty sure it was a frog. It looks like he's got webbed feet um, in these pictures. So it's pretty wild, man. I don't know if you guys can see that. There he is just chilling. I think that's a toad. Because I think we get well, those up in near my cottage, too. Yeah, he's, yeah. Just, a, he's just a little guy. Little toad? All right, well, Todd the toad. So. It was chilling in my corner this morning. Same thing, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was so weird. I just could not believe it. If anything, he was probably helping me out eat some bugs, but I didn't want him to dry out or anything. So got him got him back into his natural habitat. Drew, how was your week? You have moved back to lame old Georgia, and you start school yesterday. Wednesday. I'd started oh. Wednesday. Oh, so I've been about it for about a week now and it's been something. Um, let's see, how's the past week of school been? So yeah, I missed the first couple of days. This is, yeah, like Josh said, this is my first episode not recording in Nashville. Unfortunately, I'm back in Athens, which is very sad. I miss Nashville already, but school is back. Uh, I missed the first couple of days to be in Nashville, but it was fine back in school now. And, you know, had syllabus day and that kind of came and went and now already stressing about some projects. Not too bad, but not too good either. Um, In the wild world of college football, just Georgia football decided to, hey, let's like spill all this news all at once on a random Tuesday because they came out with their COVID policies for game days. Herschel Walker is running for Senate, apparently. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> Josh, just that's exactly as I'm writing the story, I'm like, I this is this can't be real. This can't be real. For context, Connor Herschel Walker is like one of the greatest college football players of all time. Um I really useful information, Drew. Thanks. It's, I'm definitely gonna remember that next week. Yeah, so that happened. College football starts in a week from Saturday. <laughs> Georgia plays Clemson. That's a big deal. Um, football is wild, man. But it's about time. It's been a wild offseason. College football actually starts this Saturday, which I will not be able to watch because for the first time it's felt like years, because it has been years, I'm going to an Atlanta United game as a fan to watch the boys in gold play Atlanta United. Who am I pulling for? I have no idea. I'm just there to watch some good soccer. So I'm very excited about that. Very excited about football and school sucks. <laughs> Hopefully your profs don't listen to this. Um, but speaking of college football, you appeared on a TV show. I know nothing about it because I'm not American and therefore don't watch American TV. But I clicked on this guy's profile and he has like 600,000 followers. So I assume he's a big deal. He is. Paul Feinbaum. How did that go? And who is he? That he is a... All right, let's try to get the whole history of Paul Feinbaum and SEC football in an MLS podcast. Um, (laughs) He is a radio show host out of Alabama, 
And if you don't know anything about the state of Alabama, the University of Alabama and Auburn University hate each other. And at one point, we're both really good at football. Auburn, not so much. Um, But it's a radio talk show host where fans just call in, complain about their college football team, hype up their college football team. It's focused on the SEC. And uh, Mr. Mr. Paul over there has a segment where college reporters get to come in. So I think uh, yesterday, Tuesday, as we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, the reporter from Auburn, coincidentally enough, and Tennessee and myself got to talk to Paul about football and for me specifically Georgia football um yeah talked about NIL stuff talked about injuries talked about Kirby Smart Georgia's head football coach and yeah had a lot of fun it was cool 10 out of 10 would recommend I heard about Paul Feinbaum after the uh so just to show you how big of a rivalry this SEC football thing is the way he got famous or the first time I heard about him was because someone called into the show to say that he poisoned trees on Auburn's campus. And these trees are a big deal. When Auburn wins a big game, they roll the trees on tumorous corners, what they're called. And the guy calls in. He's a mega Alabama fan. He says, I poisoned the trees at tumorous corner. It was super illegal. So he gets in a lot of trouble. Paul Feinbaum blows up. And next thing you know, I'm talking to him about Georgia football. Can It was fun. Can people listen or watch that somewhere? You know... I don't know. Well, you will know by the time this episode goes up, and I will potentially include the link to it in the description of said episode. Um, but this is also requiring Drew to do extra work on top of his school, uh, which he probably doesn't want to do. Which, you're now in your last semester, so you had your last first day of university. As someone who's about to do that, potentially. We'll see. It's complicated. What was that like? Dude, I forgot how freaking big this school is, man. Because for the last two semesters, it's all been online. I go out to my parking spot. I have a parking spot at the student newspaper. It's freaking 100 degrees outside. So I'm walking down this massive hill, sweating my butt off, walking to class. And then I open the door, and it's just a flood of people. Some masked, some not. That's a whole different ball game. And it was... It was a kick in the pants for sure to remember how big that school is. But it was kind of surreal. It was pretty wild to think I'll never do that again. But it also feels kind of cool to know that I'm a senior. And these guys all suck because they're all underclassmen punks. Well, you've technically been a senior for a year. A year, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm a fifth year. Is that the word for it? Super senior? Yes. I think you're a fifth year, technically. Uh, but enough of that discussion. We can continue it after you hear from our sponsor yes again this episode is brought to you by manscaped a quick reminder about their newest product the lawnmower 4.0 which is included in their performance package 4.0 the package includes the weed whacker which is waterproof so you can shave in the shower which offers you privacy and an easy way to clean it up so highly recommend checking out the lawnmower 4.0 with a waterproof weed whacker. And we have a special offer for our listeners. You can get the performance package 4.0 for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Again, it is 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. The lawnmower 4.0, the performance package 4.0, it's waterproof, it's great. Highly recommend, and you get free shipping and 20% off. 
So guys, in the middle of all this crazy nonsense of school, college football, NFL preseason football, if you're a psychopath and like to watch that in your spare time, there is some European football, and some North Americans were playing in said football. So let's get into our North Americans Abroad segment, starting with someone we haven't talked about in a while. Anthony Robinson, he scored for Fulham in their 2-0 win in the Cup over Birmingham City. I almost totally botched that pronunciation. He scored again. It's been a while since we've talked about him. I just imagined, like, no, this is a city in Alabama. Roll Tide. So Anthony Robinson got a goal. What happened today, I think, as we're recording this on Tuesday, Josh Sargent scored a brace for Norwich City in their 6-0 win versus Bournemouth. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget about the assist either. (laughs) And an assist. I didn't get that five-bob notification. I don't even know about that. Yes, Josh Sargent getting a brace for Norwich and their six over six nil win. Um, so he got a second start, I think, in the Premier League because it's just a second week in the Premier no, League. First start. This is his first, first start. start. He came second appearance. Hold he came on. on last week. It's just the EFL Cup. It's not the Premier League. Oh crap! Uh, rough. That's that's also why they won six nothing over championship teams because it's just the EFL Cup. His first appear- start in the EFL Cup and he has two goals and an assist. How many goals and assists does Messi have in the EFL Cup? That's what I thought. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to someone that I really don't know if we have talked about him at all. I think we have. Yes, we have. Josh is. Okay. (laughs) Henry Mingo scored in the UCL playoff game for Ferenc Varos. Um, The team lost to Jordan Peefock's Young Boys, who will be in the Champions League group stage. So we talked a little bit about UCL qualifying last week with Brendan Aronson getting a goal, and we're talking about it again with Henry Wingo scoring in that playoff game. And some big news that I also think happened today. I saw the the statement. I didn't read a whole lot into it, but the Premier League is not releasing its players for international duty for, for red countries. And why that matters is because Mexico, Costa Rica, and Panama are on the list. So, if Pulisic and Sargent have to play a game in Mexico, for example, the Premier League wouldn't release them. They wouldn't go. We're doing really well this episode. This is, we're killing, this feels like our first episode all over again. Uh, (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Well, actually, I wasn't involved in the first episode. It's the third episode. We'll go third episode. Um, but I think I should dive into the Premier League a bit more because I threw this in the dock. And Drew, you clearly didn't pay much attention to it considering you were very busy today. Uh, so <laughs> we'll be fair to you. And basically, this is huge, huge news for World Cup qualifying because it'll mean players like Jimenez and Leon Bailey and Mikel Antonio uh, won't be available due to where the games are being played. Uh, and that's going to really, really affect Jamaica. It's going to affect... Mexico, as I mentioned, um, Costa Rica and Panama are on the list. Uh, with I meant, I added Jamaica just because they're going to be very affected by this. Uh, for certain countries, it won't affect them. Say Canada right now, uh, if the EFL leagues follow suit, Canada could be in a bit more trouble considering they'll not have Junior Hoylet and Theo Corbino available available. Um, and obviously the U.S. with Christian Pulisic and Josh Sargent and Anthony Robinson and whole other giant list of players because they have a ton of players in the Premier League won't have players available. And 
what came out sort of today and uh, later this afternoon, which didn't really gain a lot of headlines, is La Liga are likely to follow suit uh, and not release players for World Cup qualifying, for international games uh, when they happen in the next sort of couple weeks. Uh, I believe first games are very, very beginning of September for CONCACAF. So we're looking at potentially a lot of players not being available, and that will seriously affect World Cup qualifying and probably seriously benefit the t- nations that have players in North America. So Canada, U.S., Mexico specifically, uh, with Liga MX and MLS. So we'll have to see where this goes. We'll have to see how this develops, how comfortable FIFA is with this, uh, because I have a feeling they probably won't be huge fans, but, you know, uh, who knows what they think constantly. So I want to get your opinions quickly before we move on to other news around the world. And we'll get to Tajan Buchanan. He's not included in this part yet. Soon, though. Uh, what were your guys' sort of standouts from North Americans abroad? Was it Wingo? Was it Sargent? Was it Robinson? You only have three to pick from, so uh, have fun with your choices. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be lame and say no one really stood out, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because it's good to see all these guys scoring or in Jordan P. Fox case, you know, good to see him moving on to play in the group stage. Like, Cause that's going to be super exciting. Um, you know, just another North American to add to the list. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's good for Sargent to be scoring, especially um, he made a cameo appearance on Saturday that I got to, to watch uh, in their five nil loss to man city. <laughs> Um, and he did almost score. So that was pretty funny because I made a joke about him just tracking back and playing defense for the last 10 minutes, but like immediately he almost scored. So that was nice to see. Um, but hopefully, you know, him scoring these couple goals, you know, yes, it's the EFL cup and yes, it's just Bournemouth, but you know, hopefully it leads to him at least getting some more playing time on Norwich, especially in the premier league. Um, you know, it can only, can only benefit him. Of course, the, the bad side is, you know, what we've just been talking about with the Premier League not releasing players and, you know, the possibility of it affecting Sargent and his availability availability for the U.S. Because if we're being honest, I think striker is the most up for grabs position in the U.S. men's national team right now. Um, no one's really claimed it as their own. No one's a clear favorite. Um, and so with Sargent being able to score a couple times and start to to get some minutes with Norwich, who knows if he's able to play for the U S in all their games or in the, the most important games, then we could see the benefits of that. Um, unless he's not able to play in which case, obviously he won't get the benefit of that. So probably, yeah, right. Uh, probably the most interesting thing for me is just Sergeant and, and being able to score no matter who it's against. And I also, I forgot to mention this. He started at striker tonight, which is notable yeah, because he probably played- the most important part played winger the last game uh so he's actually getting run a striker which is a positive but drew now that josh has kind of stolen nobody uh you got the whole <laughs> world to pick from so who what's your north americans abroad of the week yeah i'm gonna let's say he got sergeant so i'm gonna go with anthony robinson just scoring um yeah not a lot to take from it um i think like josh said not a whole, there's not one performance that absolutely stands out, even with Sargent's brace for Norwich, um, just because it was in the cup against the championship side. There's still some grain of salt to be taken with that. 
But I'm going to go with Anthony Robinson scoring a goal for Fulham. Um, yeah, exciting. We haven't talked about him in a while. And he's up there, I think. This left-back position is kind of a weird one because since the team has about 15,000 right-backs, it feels like, um, you know, Berhalter's starting to throw Serginho Dest in there, kind of trying to get a little bit of inverted left-back, cut inside a little bit on that right foot. And maybe Anthony Robinson, if he gets hot, scoring goals is never a bad thing. So I'm going to go with Anthony Robinson. Connor, was there anything that stuck out to you? We don't have Alfonso Davies, so you don't have a layup. But... Was there any news or player that stuck out to you? I don't have a layup, unfortunately. I wish I did. Uh, But I'm going to go with the Premier League rule stuff uh, because I think that's going to have huge implications on CONCACAF and world uh, soccer as well in terms of World Cup qualifying and international games and sort of what this will mean for the future of teams releasing players for international games. Uh, So I'll go with that. Uh, I've droned on about it already for too long. So we'll quickly move on. And something we did talk about last week, but we haven't talked about in a while, uh, mostly because they've sort of been off, but NWSL news. Kristen Press is leaving Manchester United and signing with Angel City who is, and is reportedly going to become the highest paid player in the league. Drew, you know NWSL better than both Josh and I. If they brought a team to Canada, maybe that would change. Cough, cough. Uh, But what are your thoughts on this Christian Press move? How much of an impact is this going to have on Angel City? How big is this for the league in general to be able to bring this um, level of player back to the NWSL? Yeah, so like Connor said, Kristen Press recently just wrapped up her WSL season with Man United. Um, she her NWSL rights were with Racing Louisville. Um, they got them. Racing got them from Utah, which she was currently at. Unfortunately, Utah is no longer a franchise. They are in Kansas City. But yes, Angel City got her NWSL rights, which is really cool because Press is from Los Angeles, so it's a big Press is coming home. I saw. I think in the LA Times there was a full-page ad dedicated to this move, which is pretty phenomenal, thinking that a major city like that, um, a move in women's sports in general, is getting that much attention. So it's really awesome uh, to see her getting paid that much. is awesome just to know that there's that much money in the women's game. And if there's anyone that deserves it, it's probably Kristen Press because she's been on fire lately. You know those jerseys are going to sell out faster than anything and yeah, it's awesome for Louisville's point of view. They are getting a 2022 first round pick, 75000 in allocation money, and expansion draft protection, which is wild because there are two teams in this next expansion draft, both from California with San Diego and Angel City. So Louisville's not looking too bad. Angel City's got their star. There's still some questions about Tobin Heath because she's in the same boat. She came from Man United. Technically, her NWL rights are with Louisville. What happens with Tobin Heath, we will see. But really exciting news. Good to see that much money in the women's game. And I know Angel City are going to be pretty excited to have a player of Press's quality come to them. How much did the Louisville acquire Press's rights for? They got their rights. Louisville got Press's rights in the expansion draft. Okay, so it was an expansion draft. I think their last two picks were Chris and Press and Tobin Heath. Okay, that's a good bit of business, turning 
essentially a free player into a whole lot of assets. Money, draft picks, good business on Louisville's part. Expansion draft protection too, which is huge. Um, so big moves in the NWSL. I assume this won't be the end of it considering the WSL's um, season just finished. So maybe we'll see other players coming back. Uh, but until then, we will have to wait and see. Let's get into MLS. It's been 23 minutes-ish uh, since the start of the show, and we haven't talked any MLS, and we're an MLS podcast, so we should probably do that. Let's start with... Let's start with the MLS All-Star game stuff uh, because th- that's what's happening now uh, as we're recording this. They're doing the skills challenge, which is something. Uh, we're it's obviously- a little entertaining. Sorry? It's a little entertaining. You watching it right now? Yeah, we are winning. The MLS is winning. Woo! There was, a, it was like a... I don't know what they're calling it, but there were targets up with point values, as well as a, uh, an AT&T logo that would, uh, not float. I don't know how to describe it. It would go back and forth on a track. And if you hit the Uh, AT&T logo, I think there was like a huge bonus. So Diego Rossi punched a a hole right through the middle of it with a soccer ball. So MLS won that first challenge, but there's still like two or three other challenges to go. So we'll see, but so far so good. I think that's a challenge. Andrew Weeby or Weeb posted on Twitter, him doing. Yes, it is Weeby, by the way. Weeby. Uh, Andrew, I think he posted it on Twitter, so if you want to see what that looks like, go check that out. He hit like 5, 10, and 10 in the same video, three shots sort of thing. And then Stu Holden posted a clip of him totally just whiffing on a ball. Yes, he did do that. (laughs) Of of Weeby whiffing on a ball, so it was really funny watching Stu Holden drag him. Yeah, uh, so sport or MLS journalist Twitter has been on fire tonight as they roast each other for being on the field. Um, But that's going on right now. We're not really going to comment on the skills challenge, uh, apart from if something insane happens that Josh sees. Uh, We're going to mostly talk about the game. And I want to get both of your thoughts, because this game is stupid. Uh, It's probably going to be incredibly uncompetitive. uh, And Whoa, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I think if there were any year that the MLS All-Star game was going to be competitive, it would be this year. Just based on the fact that there are so many rumors going around and there have been for so long, maybe not even rumors, but just the expectation that one day League MX and MLS will combine to make a North American Super League. And we've even discussed it on the show, obviously. Uh, but I think this is an opportunity you know, for the leagues to come together and kind of showcase, and that's not going to happen unless the players are going for it. Now... Yes, it is just a friendly, but think about the rivalry that the U.S. and Mexico has, right? And although, yes, the MLS squad is not mainly American, but since the league is based in America, there's going to be some of that rivalry present, I think. And then there's also just the rivalry of MLS and League MX itself. How how much time do we spend talking about how, ooh, MLS has got to catch up, MLS has got to win CCL, MLS has got to do this in comparison to League MX? Well, here's a direct opportunity, right? So... If there was any year that the MLS All-Star game was going to be competitive and interesting, I think it's going to be this year because in the past, when you play this big European club, they're in preseason and they don't even bring their best players. Well, the Liga MX roster is pretty star-studded and MLS, although they're going to be missing 
Carlos Vela and Chicharito, which would have made things a little spicy. Uh, it's still going to be a decent squad, I think. And so I do expect it to be a, a bit more interesting than usual years. Although, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just a, a glorified friendly. But I think if there's any year that it's going to be fun to watch and there will be competitiveness, I think it's going to be this year. My prediction is first half sucks. The second half is maybe a bit competitive. Uh, but I will guarantee you we don't see any of the Mario Balotelli trying to do a roulette back heel uh, like we did a few years ago when he was immediately subbed off because why would he do that? Uh, I think you're over-exaggerating a little bit. I don't think it'll be as competitive as you say it is because we're in the middle of the season and players aren't going to want to risk injury, etc. cetera. Uh, but who knows, maybe. What I do want, though, is I want predictions from both of you. What's going to happen? Who's going to score? Who's going to win? Will there be a fight? Who gets a yellow card or red card? Let me hear it. I'm just going to do a score prediction. And I'm just going to, for some reason, say that uh, MLS is going to win 2-1. Don't know why. No real reason for that, but that's my guess. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm trying to look at the roster right now. I don't have it memorized, unfortunately. Oh, my goodness. What do I think is going to happen? First off, Hani Mukhtar was robbed. Second off, <laughs> League MX 2-1. All right, so we Ooh. got two 2-1 two, two scores so far. Gustavo Bo scores. Gustavo Bo. Ooh, that would be fun against his old league. Gustavo Bo and Raul Diaz score. If there are two players who are going to score, it's going to be those two. Uh, Josh, we don't get any of those insane predictions from you for people to look back on and say you're an idiot. I have enough of those floating around, I think, right now. I think we all do, which is why I'm asking you <laughs> for said opinion. Um, I don't know. I, I These games are so unpredictable in that sense just because, I mean, there's so much uh, variety with the roster and everything. Um... I'm going to say Rodolfo Pizarro scores a goal. That's going to be my, my crazy He's hot. He's hot. And especially against uh, you know so many of his friends from the national team and from his former league as well, I think. And because he just got added last minute, both him and George Bella. So I think uh, that's going to be my bold prediction that we get a Rodolfo Pizarro goal. I like that. That's a, that's a really good prediction. And he was only added to the roster because Tajan Buchanan – didn't go. And there was a very good reason for why Tajan Buchanan didn't go. He's moving to Belgium. He was announced today by Club Bruges that he is uh, signed with them. It'll be a 7 million fee plus a 10% sell-on fee going to New England with Buchanan joining Club Bruges in the winter. He will remain with New England until the end of the season. Um... So they still get him for at least the rest of the season, which I think is very positive for their, um, f- I guess, playoff hopes, finals, MLS Cup hopes, uh, and they're playing very well. So they could definitely use him, and he's been on fire re- lately as well. So before we get into what I saw online, because I got pissed off, I want to know about your guys' thoughts as a couple relative outsiders from the Canadian sphere. 
What do you think about Buchanan going to Club Bruges instead of the other rumored uh, moves to, I believe it was Augsburg, Freiburg, um, and Chelsea's name was in there, but that was never going to happen. Yeah, I am a big fan of it, I think. Uh, I think I'm going to take the New England Revolution point of view because I obviously am a diehard Revolution fan, have been <laughs> since the day I was born. Um, You're wearing as the, kit. the kit. As I wear the kit, yes. Man, they have to win MLS Cup this year. If they get this close and don't get it done and then Tejan leaves after this is over, that's going to sting. Because they've never won it before. They've came really close, I think, a couple times. But they haven't gotten it done. And this is this is it. They have to win it this year. And it's looking good. But from a Tejan perspective, I think it's awesome. It's really exciting. Um, good business from New England Revolution's part. But... I'm excited about it. I think it's awesome. Um, but dang, they, they got to get it done because if if they collapse in the playoffs or anything like that and then Tejan leaves, and like you said, Connor, he's been tearing it up. We know how good he is to lose that much of a key part of your team that might win the supporter shield or make a run. Um, if they don't get it done and then a vital part like Tejan leaves, that's going to that's gonna sting a little bit. So... Good for Tejan, good for the club, but dang, they they got to win it this year because that's gonna that's gonna hurt if they don't get it done. Josh, what do you think about Tejan leaving the best team in MLS, much less a top three team in the Eastern Conference? Uh gonna ignore that last part. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good move for him. I mean, Bruges is consistently a Champions League team. You know, they're always competing at the top of Belgium. Um, you know, top of the domestic league there, and based on the price that they're paying and that they're willing to do the sell-in fee, and that they're willing to let Buchanan finish the season with New England, I think just says how much Bruges wanted him, which means it's a pretty good guess that he's going to factor in to the first team heavily once he arrives um, next uh, next winter. So I'm excited for him to see what can happen. Um, how old is he? He's like 20. Wow. All right, so he's very young. He was a um, 2019 what- Super Draft pick. Ninth overall. So I guess maybe let's go 22. I can Google it. Uh, he was born in 99, so he is 22. 22. Um, yeah, so he's still, yeah, he's still really young. And so as a result, I think we could see a pretty, you know, potentially large move in the next year or two um, to an even bigger club, probably for a large fee. Uh, especially with how much he's exploded this year and just how much he's developed in MLS um, over the last couple of seasons. So I'm excited for him. I, I don't think it was going to matter where he ended up, whether it was somewhere in Germany or somewhere in Belgium. I think he's going to develop the same way. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with him uh, for sure. Well, I will say and comment to Drew's uh, opinions on New England hurting if they don't win MLS Cup. I will tell you on this podcast, one party will guaranteed be upset. Uh, either draw the Boston Tea Party. Oh God! <laughs> I'll ignore that you said that uh, because it's so stupid. Um, but 
I think I think it's a good move personally, and I guess we can dive into my response to why. Um, I saw some people angry, or maybe not angry, disappointed, and it surprised me. Uh, I saw a lot of people wanting him to go to a team in Germany, and I disagree with that. I think Belgium was the best fit for him because he's going to factor in as a main piece, like Leon Carp, Club Bruges. He's going to get Champions League action. Uh, Belgium's a good development league. Obviously, we know what happened to the last Canadian who developed in Belgium. Uh, he's currently doing pretty well in France. So I don't understand why people are so upset about the move, honestly. Uh, I think it was the right thing to do. And even if you think he would have been better at a different club, the way I look at it is, and I tweeted this out, uh, also I may not get my analogy perfectly right, but I'd rather use a stepping stone to cross a river than try to jump over and risk slipping. I'd rather go the safe route where I can develop my talent and so that I don't fall on my backside uh, and guarantee my success with very little risk involved in terms of potentially ending up in a major team. Because I don't think Club Bruges is going to be a team which hoards the talent uh, like Tajan and Buchanan. I think they're going to be somebody who really looks to sell him if they can make a good profit. So I'm a fan of the move. I think it's a good move for him. I think it's a good move for Club Bruges. I think it's a good move for New England, getting to keep him for the rest of the season. And that $7 million transfer fee is pretty nice. Uh, it's going to go a long way to being able to replace him next season uh, with the gam that they'll acquire. But let's dive into one other transfer that sort of got pushed under the rug by Tajon Buchanan and Kylian Mbappe, which we won't get into. Uh, but the foot signed midfielder Matko Miljevic. He most, most recently in Argentina, he stopped playing for them due to a contract dispute, uh, which was very, I think messy, but you see what I did there. PSG. Messi. Uh-huh. Um, Argentinos juniors was his last club. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think of this move. I think Josh, you probably know him a little bit better because I think you have brought him up in the past. Um, but do you think this is a good signing for Montreal? Do you think this is a good signing for Millie? Uh, I'll go Matko because it's easier to say his name with two names or just the first name. Uh, is this a good move? Do you think this was the right decision by Montreal to bring him in? Do you think this was the right decision by Matco to move to Montreal? And how much of a factor do you think he's going to factor in to Montreal's playoff push? Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll end up playing such a big role just, just because he's still so young. Uh, I think playing abroad, playing in Argentina is going to be helpful for him uh, just because it's just a high-pressure environment. Uh, that league is very tough to play in. That being said, I think at the very least, this is a move with a lot of potential for both parties involved. Uh, he could end up being a good boost for Montreal. And again, I don't know if he'll end up having an immediate impact within the season and making the playoffs, but I think this is this is a player that you can develop over the next couple of years or who can become a big part of the team over the next couple of years. And we've sort of seen Montreal lean into this uh, younger player profile a lot of 
a lot of guys in their early 20s that they've either brought on loan or signed this year. So it definitely fits kind of the direction they're headed. So, yeah, I think at the very least, lots of potential for both sides. Um, and Milevich can increase his stock with the U.S. national team because he was likely going to factor into the U-20 squad, um, who's supposed to have their World Cup this year, I believe. Uh, yeah, because it's an odd year. So, yeah, I just think at the very least, good potential for both sides. It could end up working out really well uh, for both involved, and he can end up perhaps moving on into uh, you know a maybe more prestigious league. Um, I, but yeah, at the very least, could definitely turn out well. And if not, I mean, I don't think Montreal ended up really spending much on him, and he's probably not going to command a very hefty salary. So uh, it seems like a win-win for both sides. Drew, what are your thoughts on the move? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think you don't see a whole lot of Americans playing in Argentina, um, so it's really exciting. I think Josh mentioned the high stakes, the kind of craziness that happens in that league. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it might go a little too far, but I digress. But it's really cool to see Americans playing there because we don't really think about that route a whole lot, I think. I know we we love seeing and we see all the time players from South America playing in Argentina and coming to MLS. That is a very big list, but I don't know how many, if any, have been Americans coming from Argentina to play in the league. So this is just a different route, I think, that we can think of. Um, Maybe if it works, maybe we'll start seeing more Americans playing in South America, whether it be for the big clubs, the River, Bocas, whatever, and then a lot of teams down there, a lot of really good soccer. So I'm excited about it. I think it's cool. It's going to be an interesting kind of storyline to follow is how an American did in South America. I think that'll be an interesting case study, and we'll get to see how it pans out because this is pretty new and something we haven't seen a whole lot before. All right. As Montreal continues to develop their depth and grow their depth for potentially a deep playoff push, uh, or at least making the playoffs as I heavily, heavily claim. Uh, but before we get into that whole argument, because I know Josh will yell at me, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then dive into some MLS games. And we are back. Time to talk some MLS games from both this weekend and a little bit from the midweek. Had a full slate of uh, full slate of midweek games Tuesday night and Wednesday night, and I think no, I don't think there was a game on Thursday night. But either way, uh, first we're going to start with Minnesota, who had a very I'll call it a mediocre week. They only got two points this week, and maybe normally that wouldn't be so bad, except for the fact that they played 138 of those 180 minutes up a man. They drew against San Jose on Wednesday night, actually Tuesday night, sorry, 1-1 after a red card to San Jose in the 21st minute. And then oddly enough, there was also a 21st minute red card for sporting Kansas City against Minnesota on Saturday in what has been called the nicest rivalry in MLS, but it was anything but. There was a lot of uh, a lot of conflict in that game. Very entertaining, despite it being a nil-nil draw. I have described their week as mediocre because how you only get two points from playing that long up a man is appalling to me. But based on all that information, how would you guys? kind of describe slash rate Minnesota's intriguing week. I am going to say bad, not mediocre, 
bad because they have currently gone four games, five games, six games. No, three games. Just kidding. Okay, I got ahead of myself. Three games without a win, two of which were draws up a man, losing to the Galaxy 1-0, and then these infamous draws that Josh is talking about. And, you know, when you think about it, drawing with SKC on paper isn't very bad, but like you said, at home, up a man in any situation, not leaving with three points is a bummer. And looking at the score, the fixtures they have up coming up next, they have Houston, which was the last team they beat, Seattle, SKC, and the Galaxy, which I think that's three of the top four teams in the Western Conference right there. So it feels like this was a really good opportunity to get three points. And while it's impressive that they're in the playoffs, given that really bad start that they got off to, um, we talked about it a lot, but the bottom half of the West is just a crapshoot. You can clearly see it in the point total. LA Galaxy in fourth with 35 points. Minnesota in fifth with 28 points. And then from there, I mean, Portland 24 is an eighth. LAFC, Vancouver is in 23 points. It's just a mess at the bottom of the table. So when you have these opportunities to separate yourself out and get three points, try to get away from that playoff line, the fact that they didn't get it done, up a man at home against SKC, not very good. I saw both of you guys lift your hands up. I don't know who wants to go next. Josh is going to go next. It is worth noting, um, and I watched all of that Sporting Kansas City-Minnesota game from Saturday. It is worth noting that Minnesota had ample opportunity to get at least one goal, and they just didn't. It was it was incredible, honestly. Uh, I'm going to pull up the stats right now to give you the exact number on the shots, but part of it was Tim Melia was playing really well in goal, but the other part of it is Minnesota couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, so they outshot Sporting Kansas City 24-11. to 24 to 11. Okay, and they that's couldn't not get necessi- a single shots on target. Tell them the shots on target too. Okay, it's only seven to five, but there were eight block shots. Um, <laughs> but believe me, just watching the game, like there were, like for a professional soccer game, for what it was, there were numerous opportunities for Minnesota to score. So even though the stats kind of you know, don't necessarily show it, especially with the shots on goal. Just believe me, Minnesota should have scored. It's not even that, you know, they could have or whatever. No, they they definitely should have. Sporting KC also got four yellow cards on top of the red card. Half of their team got books. <laughs> that is insane. Uh, but what I was going to say uh, is, first of all, uh, rigged question mark potentially games because both red cards came in the 21st minute. Uh, I'm kidding. What I was actually going to say is that performance is embarrassing. How do you draw to San Jose who are down a man for what? 60, no, 59 minutes. No, 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 it's, it's 69. Is it the nice number? Nice. It is the nice number. Oh, yeah, I was. I don't know why I went to 80, not 90. Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> 69 minutes. Uh, nice. Nice. <laughs> I, how do you do that? How do you manage that? And Sporting KC, they're a very good team, so it's understandable, but with the amount of goals, or goals, shots they had, the fact they only had seven on target, 
That's really bad. Uh, so I'm going embarrassing because you should do a lot better against teams that had red cards for 69 minutes in nice. both games. Let's move on to something not so nice and probably even more embarrassing. The Toronto FC. They lost on, to the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors are not. I don't know why. No, I will not take that slander. Scotty Barnes is going to be the next Kawhi Leonard when the Toronto Raptors teach him how to shoot. Back to soccer. TFC lose on the road to Atlanta, one nothing, and then promptly bounce back with a three one loss to Miami on Saturday, in which they scored zero goals because the one goal they did score, Miami scored on their own net. Now, two outsiders' perspectives. I said last week, if TFC don't get four points, I'm out on them for the rest of the season. I think their playoff hopes are dead. Their playoff hopes are very dead in my mind. Both of you were already out on them last week. So my question is, what should they do for the rest of the season? Do they play the youth to give them experience? Or do they continue trying to push for the playoffs because we're only three games into the second half of the season? I I mean, I think you play the kids as much as you can regardless, just because that's, I think, where Toronto should sort of go um, as far as the future. Um, I mean, they've got a strong you know, veteran core, even though it's aging. And they have good, proven talent with players like Pozuelo and Soteldo. Um but I mean, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess their season's done at this point. But the thing is, this is MLS. I mean, they're not completely out of it, but they're, they're pretty out of it. Um, but I do want to just circle back for a second. Uh, I was listening to last week's episode before we were recording, and Connor did say they should beat Miami and that they should get at least one win in the next two games. So for them to not only lose, but in the fashion that they lost, I mean, that's gotta be, that's just like soul, like soul crushing stuff right there. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's, I think it's too late for Toronto, but I don't know. I, I mean, that's tough because you have so many veterans and so many, like you have a lot of top end talent. I mean, what do you do? What do you tell them? Like, Oh, Hey, we're kind of packing it in for the season. You know? No, I mean, that's, I don't know. It's a really tough spot for Toronto to be in, to be honest. Um, Drew, what do you think? I mean, yeah, go ahead, Connor. Sorry. I was just going to cut you off. Uh, I think what you do is you tell those players who may be dealing with an aggling injury in say their right foot, that they should have surgery and then immediately have surgery. Cough, cough, Josie Altador. Uh, who is out for, I think, at least six weeks. And Ralph Priso is also out for the rest of the season following surgery. Uh, so there's one of the kids that you would have played. Uh, but Drew, I'm curious as to your thoughts before I cut Josh off, who's going to transfer the rant to you. What are your thoughts on Toronto FC? What do you think their plans should be for the rest of the season? Play the youth or tr- go for it? I think, first, I am less optimistic than Josh. I think they are done. I'm not giving them any chance, I think, to make the playoffs. I think you play the youth with your stars. And by that, I mean play the youth and have essentially Pasuelo and Soteldo in there as well. 
because that's going to be a good experience for the youth. They're going to be playing with some really talented guys. The ball is going to be moving really fast at a different atmosphere. And if you can hang with playing with Soteldo and Pozuelo on an MLS field, if you can just get caught up to that speed, I think that's going to be really useful because those two, I mean, they're two of the best players in the league, especially Pozuelo. We've seen this guy tear up the league year after year, so we know what he can do. Soteldo, I think we've seen glimpses of it. I think that first game he came on the field, I think I even slagged, we talked about how good he looked, um, even though I don't think he wears pants when he's playing soccer, but I digress. Um, yeah, I think you put the youth in there and surround him with the stars. Um, as far as Josie goes, I think you hit the nail on the head, Connor, get the surgery and get ready for next season. Um, yeah, I am all team. Play the youth, let the stars get around them, let them get used to playing in that atmosphere with that talented of players because that's only going to help them. And get a couple of results to break your way toward the end of the season and on a high note. And then again, with a new manager with positivity and confidence and players getting experience, who knows what next year could bring because they definitely have the talent to make a run like Josh said. I guess now's my time to jump in and give my thoughts on this crap stain. That is the Toronto FC. Uh, and I think we should start with what has gone wrong and the main thing, in my opinion, has been Ali Curtis. Uh, frankly, I think he's done an abysmal job. He has not addressed anything Toronto FC has needed to be addressed. He hired a terrible coach and someone who genuinely ruined this organization. Uh, I think the scouting network is abysmal. The fact they haven't brought in any good talent uh, apart from Richel Urias since, what, year two years ago, three years ago at this point. Um, Soteldo, there are TFC fans who are thinking he's not even a DP level player because his final execution sucks uh, and for some reason refuses to shoot, which is interesting. Uh, I I think there needs to be a complete... A complete clean house uh, at Toronto FC. I think you keep Bill Manning. I think that's somebody who does stay because I think for all the crap he's gotten, he's done a good job of managing both TFC and the Argos. Uh, I think he's sort of a good person in that role. But from there down, I think everything needs to change. I think scouts need to go. I think the medical staff, all of them need to go because how does a team have this many injuries constantly every single season with multiple different managers too. Uh, I think I'd be comfortable keeping Javier Perez. I think he's a good calming influence in the dressing room. Uh, I think there are other people who could stay like the goalkeeping coach. Like he's done very well with Bono and Westberg. Um, and he did well with Clint Irwin as well. So I think he was around then. I have no idea. Uh, maybe a few of the other assistants, but there needs to be a lot of changes and this team needs to get a lot younger. And I think that's going to happen this off season because frankly, a lot of fans have been calling for it and it wouldn't surprise me to see this, although I have no information, but a Josie Altador buyout could make some sense. Uh, although that's very expensive, uh, but it does free up that DP slot, which would allow them to bring in somebody to, Fill at striker. I would not be surprised to see Richie Larea gone in the winter. 
somewhere. I've, Turkey has been a rumor in the past. So maybe we see Richie Gunn as well. This TFC team has a lot of problems. And frankly, the rot runs deeper than just a few bad coaches or a couple bad coaches or one bad coaching hire. This is, there's a lot of issues here. And they need to bring somebody in who's going to fix that. Uh, and I don't think Ali Curtis is that guy, but you know, I guess if Bill Manning disagrees, Bill Manning disagrees. Let's not stay negative because I'm negative enough. Let's go positive and specifically positive with your teams. Uh, Drew, your what top five favorite team at least. Depends on what day you ask me, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> and Josh, you're number one. Atlanta United. They are flying. Four straight wins. Right on the edge of the playoffs. Eighth place, tied with seventh place. Only reason they're behind is they're at negative one goal differential, and DC United is at positive one goal differential. You're on a run. You just beat TFC 1-0. Frankly, you probably should have beat them by more, but we won't get into that. You beat DC United, who's right above you in the uh, standings, 2-1. Can they make the playoffs is my big question. With Pineda taking over this weekend, who we didn't really talk about last week, but that happened. Uh, Valentino going back to his assistant role. Do you see Atlanta United making the playoffs given the form they're in? And do you think they will continue in this form? I am going, will they continue in this form? Obviously they're going to drop points at some point um, unless they just shock the world. and They never lose again. That would be wild. That would be cool, but they're going to, they're going to have a game, not bounce their way. As far as making the playoffs. Absolutely. I think this team for sure can, you look at them right now, like you said, in the standings, they're right there. A big game this weekend, hosting Nashville. Um, they can absolutely make the playoffs. I'm going to, my little hot take here, Josh might disagree. I wish they didn't rush this head coaching hire so fast. I want to see the interim last a little longer. This was exciting getting some Nate McMillan fever here, leading a team from the bottom of the playoffs. But we'll see. I think everyone in Atlanta is just not going to get excited about a manager because last time we did, didn't work out so well. But can they make the playoffs? Absolutely. They're one weekend of results bouncing their way. A win against Nashville, D.C., Montreal are right there as well. Um, they can't jump NYCFC, but D.C. United's got Philadelphia this weekend. Philly, that's obviously a big one. Um, Montreal's got TFC. Probably going to be three points for Montreal, but absolutely they can make the playoffs. If things bounce their way this weekend, which making predictions in MLS is never a good thing, but they're one weekend away from being up back in the playoff line. And I think we've talked about this, but a lot of their remaining games are at home. And you get their home games. You get people in Atlanta starting to get excited about this team again. You get the Falcons being the Atlanta Falcons. What else are you going to go watch? Atlanta United. So that place is going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Josh, what do you think about Atlanta's current run of form? And will they make the playoffs this postseason? So I think they will make the playoffs. I think it's going to be a lot tougher than maybe everyone is expecting at this point. And I I say that because at the end of the day, this is still a pretty uh, 
pretty subpar roster as far as MLS goes. Um, the team has finally gotten healthy enough to where I think they can compete on a game-to-game basis, but at some point, squad rotation is going to have to factor in, and that's where Atlanta is in trouble in my mind. Uh, they just don't really have the depth to 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 at least make a comfortable playoff push. So I think it's going to be a little nerve-wracking towards the end. It's nice to have Luis Arujo in there. Aruju, sorry. It's nice to have him in there. Uh, you know, good addition so far. He's he's kind of spiced things up a little bit. And then obviously Joseph Martinez finally seems like he's back to his old self, which is great to see. But I think it's dangerous, and I, I believe I tweeted this out a couple of days ago, but I think it's dangerous to make assumptions based on this run under Valentino. Has it been exactly what the club needs? Yes, and it's been very beneficial to everyone involved. But at the same time, it's a very small sample size. Um, you know, I see a lot of people praising Ezekiel Barco for finally looking like the $15 million player that was purchased back in 2018 uh, in that offseason. And while he has looked fantastic, I we've seen this before, right? Like it happened in 2019, right before he went off for international duty, and he played well in the U-20 World Cup at the time and then came back and got hurt and then never found his rhythm again. And then 2020 was rough for everyone involved with Atlanta United. So while it's nice to see Barco excelling and to see the team finally picking itself up, at the same time, I just think that, I just don't think people should expect this to continue. And I'm not saying like expecting a win every single week. I'm saying like expecting the team to play this well because they've had a lot of lucky breaks go their way as well. Um, so I'm not yet convinced now as for drew your point on Valentino and what he's done and, you know, wishing that there was a longer coaching search. I don't really think there's going to be much difference between Pineda and Valentino. They seem uh, to have similar personalities when it comes to being a man manager first and foremost, and really caring about their players. And that's something that has been lacking, I think underneath both Heinze and DeBoer. And it wasn't something I was really talked about with Steven Glass when he was in the interim, which I think he was just fine. So I don't think there's going to be that different of a transition. If anything, I think tactically the team might improve just because, you know, I think Valentino didn't really focus on that stuff, which is fine. It obviously worked out really well. Um, But like one thing that really jumps out to me with this Atlanta team right now is they are God awful at set pieces, specifically crosses into the box and giving up headed goals. So hopefully you know, Pineda has some sort of plan for things like that because that has been a big issue for them in, in the kinds of goals they've conceded. Uh, by the way, Brad Gazan, I was fuming, fuming at his horrible mistake on Saturday night. Somewhere thousands of miles away in the great Northeast, Connor was just basking in his correctness about how awful Brad Gazan is. So, so check this out. So I went over to my parents on Saturday night to watch the game with my dad. Um, and even my mom stuck around, which by the way, she left because she was like, I don't want to watch this draw. And then Marcelino Moreno scored the game winner, like a minute later after she left the room. So that was funny. But Gazan gave up that stupid free kick goal because he wasn't standing in the goal. And people are like praising Jordy Reyna for having this great free kick. And I'm thinking, no, I could score that. I could score that because there's no goalkeeper in the goal. That's how awful it was from Brad Gazan. But this terrible goal happens and I'm just sitting there so angry about giving up such a cheap goal. And my dad goes, Oh, the Falcons just scored. Guess what the score was 33 to 10. Atlanta was getting stomped. But First they touchdown a touchdown. of the preseason. <laughs> Let's go. And I just, I just look at my dad. I was like, no one cares. No one cares right now. Okay. I was like, you don't even know 
who just scored that touchdown, which he didn't. So I just thought that was funny because like Drew mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, if you enjoy watching NFL preseason, then you might be a psychopath, uh, but especially Falcons preseason because they're even extra terrible. So, but yeah, I mean, Atlanta still came away with the win, which is great. Um, Valentino's had such a positive effect on the team, but I, I do expect Pineda to kind of continue kind of continue along the same path as far as keeping the team in high spirits. Um, but I'm not sure the results will be so great. And I, I do think Atlanta will have to battle to make the playoffs, although I still am sort of expecting them to make the playoffs. I do just want to say one thing. Braguzan totally made up for that and made a really big save to secure all three points. I don't care. He's in traffic. It should have been 2 care. 1. He screwed up and then he made a big save. I don't so, care. this whole Braguzan slander nonsense. No, it's rightfully deserved. Give me Alec Can. Get Gazan's Alec is good. bomb out of there. But Alec Can is better, more importantly. I think that can be true. And also, the Braguzan <laughs> not being terrible. That was a good one. But Braguzan <laughs> made a big save to secure all three points. And you know that what? That remains a fact. He wouldn't have had to make such a big save if he hadn't made such a boneheaded mistake. He made up for his game. mistake. So it should have ended 2-1 anyway. It's just that the goal that him. went in. But anyway. It's going to be a while about, before I get over it and forgive him. It probably should have been 2 nothing. Uh, but I will say you should probably be playing Can because Brad Guzan is, what, 35? And he's right. already terrible? Uh, he, he, I don't think he's bad because of his age. I think he's just not as good as he used to be. He's meh. Like, his numbers aren't phenomenal. They're not terrible. He is the highest paid goalkeeper in the league, by the way. That's not okay. It is not okay at all. His salary should be meh, because he's, he's meh. He's not terrible. He's not great. He's not even the best goalkeeper on his team, let alone the league, and yet he's the highest paid goalkeeper in the league. So, just want to... That's a problem. But, as far as Atlanta there. making the playoffs go, their last four games, Inter-Miami, Toronto, Red Bulls, Cincinnati... Okay, so that's four guaranteed wins then. Okay, last time you said something about a guaranteed in Miami in the same sentence, they got smashed three to one. Toronto did. So I don't like that you're putting that on us, Connor. Okay, that's three guaranteed wins. I still I still don't appreciate <laughs> these like guarantees stressing me out already and we're still like, I will, a couple months I will away from getting that stretch. I guarantee you win against Toronto FC because they're that bad. Atlanta plays them out of the last six games, if my math is correct. Um, no, let's go to the last eight games. I think six of those teams are below the playoff line. They play Miami twice, Toronto twice, Cincy, Red Bulls, Montreal, and NYCFC are those last eight teams. So if they want to make a run, they have the time to do it, and I think the majority of those games are at home. By the way, I forgot to mention this during TFC. We are thinking of you, Chris Mavinga. Uh, Sick Kids is a great hospital, and your daughter will be perfectly fine in their care. Uh, I have one more question related to Atlanta after that quick sidebar. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, do you fire Pineda in the offseason because no. Valentino no. had done no. such a good job? no. No, no, okay, no. And the only way Pineda gets fired is if Atlanta United loses every single match from now until the end of the season, and that's that's like the only scenario. If he doesn't give players water, makes Joseph Martinez (laughs) mad, doesn't give them their days off, something like that. We do have 
uh, precedent when it comes to reasons for firing a coach, but I don't think he will run into any of those problems. All right. Let's do Columbus, unless either of you want to have anything you want to say about Atlanta or Atlanta. I won't say the T. Uh, like, you don't say the T in Toronto, uh, even though I do. You nothing to add in reference to Atlanta? No. Brad Guzan is meh. Brad Guzan is worse than meh. meh. He is, as Josh said, bad. Bro. Uh, Let's talk Columbus, going from one bad thing to another. That both have MLS Cups in the past five years? Yes, ironically, and both are, well, one of which has a very bald manager and the other is a very bald it's person. Very <laughs> one nothing loss to the New York Red Bull, and then one of the worst ways you can possibly lose to Seattle leading for until the 88th and 89th minutes, giving up two very quick goals to lose that game two to one. What is going wrong? There is so much talent on that roster. What is going wrong? And will Sebastian Giovinco fix that? (laughs) Um, Okay. So here's the crazy thing, right? People are ready to say that Columbus are done, but if they win this weekend, they're like right back above the playoff line. So this is this is freaking MLS, baby. It doesn't even matter. This is this is my favorite part of the MLS season, by the way, because virtually every team is still in it, and all it takes is like a run to like set yourself up for the end of the season. I think there are only two guarantees right now. The Revolution are going to make the playoffs, and Toronto are not going to make the playoffs. And other than that, Fair game with the other... Well, no, Austin's not going to make the playoffs either. Other than that, fair game for the other 24 teams that are in the league. Um, Columbus are in huge trouble, though. (laughs) The the fashion in which they lost to Seattle on Saturday is just... It's brutal. That is... You want to talk about soul-crushing. That's probably the definition. I mean, to to battle it out and get that goal, and it was in the 77th minute with Bradley Wright Phillips, and you're playing without Jossie Zardes, who's injured, um, and a couple other injuries as well. But to finally get that goal and then to concede in back-to-back minutes in like the final six minutes of the game is so rough. And how do you fix that? I don't think you do. I think Columbus is just going to have to grind at this point if they want any chance of, of making the playoffs. But I mean, it's tough. It's, it's always tough playing the best team in the league. You know, I mean, that's just what happens when you play the Seattle Sounders. (laughs) Right, Drew? He didn't hear me since he took his headphones off, but Drew knows him, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be so mad so, listening back on this. Yeah, I know he comes <laughs> back to listen to this part of the podcast. Um, anything to add, Drew, about the best team in MLS beating Columbus in the, the very end of the game in Columbus? I was so excited to come on this podcast and be like, wow, the best team in the league lost to Columbus. I was so (laughs) excited because I think right before you guys spilling all this Seattle slander, we would just talk about how bad Columbus were. And I was like, this is your king now, losing to Columbus. And you talk about soul crushing. That's what that was. I was ready to just roast everyone. And it just fell apart. What's going wrong for Columbus? I I mean... 
like Josh said, it's it's weird. I think it's just a large part because of the high standards we have on them. Because, funny enough, I think them and LAFC are similar situations. Everyone just assumed they were going to win a trophy right now, and now we're just, are they going to make the playoffs? Um, so because of those high standards, the fact that they're not a New England revolution, they're not a sporting Kansas City, who is the second-best team in the league, they are seen as a disappointment, but one went away, one couple of results. But I feel like we've been saying that for so long. And you lose the Red Bull. You feel like you have it in the bag against Seattle, which would have been a humongous result. MLS Cup rematch in that new stadium. It would have been awesome. It would have been a very much a turning point type game if they were to hold on to it. And they just collapse. So it's injuries. I mean, that's frustrating for Zardes. I know Columbus wants to have him back after missing for a Gold Cup and things like that. He comes back. He gets injured. But, uh I don't know. But on the other side of things, a couple bounces go their way. They're right back in there, and we're talking about if they can go on a run and repeat as champs. But it's not. We've been saying that a lot, and at no point lately have we been talking. Every time we talk about Columbus, we're always talking about are they done. We're never talking about was that the win that's going to turn their season around. And they had a really good opportunity to do it against the third-best team in the league at home, but they blew it. So... I don't know. It's going to be rough, but who knows? A couple things go their way, and they're right back in the mix. Would them signing Sebastian Giovinco influence your opinions on Columbus, or do you think he's not the player that they need? The thing, I don't I don't know who they need. I mean, the talent is there, right? Zellerion is ridiculous. He's losing the ball all the time like we talked about last week. So it's not a talent issue. It's just what the heck is going on issue and injuries and a lot. Just, yeah. So I'm not sure if I'm sold on Giovinco's answer. Josh, what do you think about Giovinco being Columbus's answer? I I don't know. I don't see Giovinco coming back into the league. I, I guess just because he's been away for so long, I can't really wrap my mind around it happening. Uh <laughs> Is it even going to matter? I mean, Columbus seems so broken at this point. Like like we've all said, there's, they have so much talent, and yet here they are struggling this poorly. Just adding Jovinka is not necessarily going to fix anything. Would it be fun? Yeah, it'd be super entertaining, and I would just love to have the Atomic Ant back in MLS regardless, no matter what team he's with. But I don't. he's definitely not going to be saving anything, I don't think. Would he be Toronto FC's answer? No. You know the answer to that. Yes, I do. Let's do goal player of the weeks and games to watch. Rivalry week this weekend, so you get to look forward to that. Um, I'll mention one thing I find very stupid in a second, but first, let's do goals of the week. I will start with Josh's favorite goal from the weekend, um, involving his favorite team and his favorite goalkeeper, Jordi Reyna's banger of a free kick despite what you say crossbar in from a tough anybody can score that okay i want you to go to your local soccer field position a ball where Jordi reina was positioned and go crossbar down on a goalkeeper well okay no goalkeeper first of all because bragazan wasn't even standing there he almost so, got there I can, rear, I can no he didn't which means I can definitely replicate it for you. And you know what? Challenge accepted. 
All right. Within I the next 24 hours, there will be a video in the Slack of me doing that. I we can't have wait to track the speed, though. We got to get a no, no, radar no, no, clock no. on you. No, 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 no. That's fine. And only one attempt. What? No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. That's not how this works. He only got one attempt. <laughs> how do you think it works? Well, you know what? You're right. It'll just be one attempt. <laughs> yeah, totally one attempt. Uh, I expect to, I will turn this into a YouTube video. You record the entire thing. I'll turn it into a video. Okay. And we'll, we'll, that'll be our first upload on a new YouTube channel that we'll create for the, just <laughs> this specific thing. And it'll be hilarious. Josh, I guess another goal that you could potentially replicate in said video. Maybe that's a new series we do. You have to replicate the goals of the week every week. <laughs> What's your goal of the week? I picked a uh, 17-year-old Quinn Sullivan with the Philadelphia Union. He had a banger of an equalizer in, I think it was the 87th minute, against uh, the foot on Saturday night, rescued a point for the Philadelphia Union. Uh, I think that's his second goal of the season, and his other one was that really impressive goal against Matt Turner uh, against New England a couple weeks ago, like right after his awesome run at the Gold Cup. So... Quinn Sullivan, man, he's pretty good. Like I said, only 17, so he's another uh, Union Academy product coming through, but another excellent goal from him, and I think we'll be hearing a lot more about him uh, in the coming coming months and possibly in the couple uh, next couple of years. But that's my goal of the week. Drew, what was your goal of the week? My goal of the week was none other than best friend of the podcast, Nkosi Tafara got his first MLS goal against Houston Dynamo, is bounced around in the box, and then Kosi smacked it hard and on a line, found the back of the net. So I went for their best friend, Kosi Tafara. Good to see him getting a lot of playing time with Dallas. And finally, good to see him getting that goal. So that was awesome to see. Obviously, a really special moment for him, his family, and for the club. Um, yeah, so I went with Kosi Tafara, which we will go into our player of the week. I'll go first because the guy I voted for was the guy that actually won. I voted for Adolfo Pizarro. Two goals against Toronto FC. He did win. Connor, I think Josh is preoccupied with the Braves right now, but Connor, who did you vote for as your player of the week? My player of the week is somebody who didn't get very much love, surprisingly, and definitely should have gotten more. Adam Buxa. Two goals and an assist against Cincinnati and New England's 4-1 to win. Uh, great game for him getting those two goals and the assist. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle for him so far, uh, so far this season. So getting a really good match under his belt will probably help him later in the season and help New England uh, as he hopefully heats up down the stretch to make them even more unstoppable than they already are. Josh, your vote's the only one that matters because neither of us actually get a vote. Who is your players of the week? And this is the fun part of the podcast where producer Connor comes in and says, Josh's audio didn't record past the last point you heard him talk, so I get to do his player of the week and his game to watch. So for his players of the week, he selected Ryan Gold to win uh, following his great performance for Vancouver and Marcelino Moreno uh, from Atlanta United following his performance for Atlanta United. All right, let's do games to watch because my phone is dying and uh, it's that uh, we talk on FaceTime because we live uh, hours away from each other. Rivalry week this weekend. So naturally they had Houston playing Minnesota. 
because that's a rivalry. What are you guys going for your rivalries? Because I'll assume it's better than that. Who wants to go first? Josh will go first because, well, I'm editing this. Uh, <laughs> Josh's game of the week that he selected for this week uh, was, in fact, El Trafico. Anytime it's an El Trafico, I feel like we have to pick it because it's such a good rivalry. Uh, although it is the second best in MLS behind the Toronto FC and Montreal Impact, uh, or club to foot to Montreal. Uh, and I, I, Josh agrees with every single word I just said there. So if he ever uh, says otherwise, no, it's not true. But I he went without Trafico. Uh, final answer. There we go. <laughs> Drew, what is your rivalry week game to watch? Josh, I can't believe you grabbed that one when obviously the best rivalry in Major League Soccer was right there for the taking. On Sunday night, RSL and Vancouver Whitecaps play each other. It's exciting. It's rivalry week. It's mayhem. It's the battle of the teams that used to share a stadium, but now they're not sharing a stadium <laughs> as Vancouver is back in Vancouver, which is awesome. Vancouver winning against LAFC. NBC plays Ryan Gall with that late winner, like you said, sent that place pretty wild. It was really good to see Vancouver fans getting to celebrate, actually celebrate, getting to see their team win in person. And if Vancouver wins, there are 26 points, which put them right there in the playoff conversation. We've been talking about them a little bit. The Western Conference kind of, yeah, they get a couple bounces their way. Scottish Messi continues to show up. They play in BC place. Who knows what happens? Maybe we have a new best team in Canada. We'll see what happens. Connor, you got the second best rivalry in MLS behind Vancouver RSL. Who did you go with? I went with the best game of the weekend because it's two of the best teams in MLS. Seattle versus Portland, 1030 Sunday night. I got to the dock first, so I got to steal it from both of you. And I get to laugh maniacally. Uh, so Seattle, Portland, huge game late at night. So, which is kind of dumb, but West coast, whatever quick fantasy update. I'm sitting in ninth older goaler, top of the league, 1500 points. Exactly. Second peachy swagger. 1,499, one point back between, um, first and second, one point difference. Uh, Josh is still bringing up the rear with a grand total of 32 points last week. Uh, Drew, better week. He put up 75 uh, and is comfortably sitting in 13th. Potentially, if he has a very good week over Event FC, could slide up to 12th. So you're starting to make up some ground. And I'm sitting in 9th, uh, having a bit of a battle with Dave's Delights. Uh, which we were pretty close uh, on the weekend, but I sort of had a good week. So I pulled ahead a little bit, but I don't believe there's anything else we need to say. Drew, you always do it. Take us out. Yes. Thanks guys so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. As always, visit the website at MLSmultiplex.com as our writers crank out really awesome content covering games and just stories in the league so visit the website mlsmultiplex.com visit the website on social media at mlsmultiplex on the twitters to see stories as they get posted you can find us on twitter you can see us rant about the braves falcons tfc raptors 
Argonauts, Georgia football, everything in between. You can find myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. Connor, did I get the CFL team right? Yes, but I don't talk yes. about the CFL. Why would I well, talk about the CFL? Well, you have to now. And you can see him talk about the CFL at CWG Somerville on his Twitter. You, you can find Josh really blankly staring at me. That can't be good. At Josh underscore Bolin. Who's the worst Twitter follower than Connor? Yes, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, leave us a review on the podcast. We love hearing ways we can get better. As always, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.